I don't want to be too technical or deep tonight. I know that it's been a long stretch for everybody and your physical and your mental powers are badly in need of some rest and recuperation. But let's consider a Christmas passage one more time before we end this Christmas season. This is Zachariah speaking in Luke chapter number 1. Daniel read it this morning. We'll just read a few of the verses. Verse number 73. Zacharias is speaking, and he says, The oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. Interesting passage of scripture. I have now seen my 53rd Christmas. Which means that for 53 years, people who have loved me and desired my best have taken of their hard-earned cash and purchased something that they thought that I would either need or want. And then they've given it to me. Now when you start doing the math, that is, one, a lot of presents, and two, a lot of cash that has been spent. I didn't say that dad spent it. Okay. <laughs> you want a piece of Christmas advice my sister gave my dad? This is good advice, by the way, men. My sister gave my dad this advice. Never buy anything with a cord for mom for Christmas. <laughs> Pretty good advice there, man. Just file that away. Now, you have to be, keep in mind that all this was done, all this money was spent, these presents given by people who they know me best and they desire my best. Rarely does a total stranger walk up and just hand you a gift. Rarely does someone who hates you go out and buy you something. So over 53 years, I have received gifts bought by people who know me best and love me. But I have to tell you, 95% of those gifts given in the last 53 years, I don't remember. Of the 5% that I do remember, none of them have significantly changed my life for any length of time. I actually still have the wrenches that my grandfather and grandmother gave me and the toolbox that they gave me. Those were the last two gifts that they gave me, the last two Christmases that my grandpa and grandma gave me before he passed away. I still have them. You could buy either one of them better than that at Harbor Freight today for less than 20 bucks. But I'm telling you right now, you don't have enough money to buy those off of me. Right. It's just, just the way it is. But to say that they have significantly changed my life would be a stretch that would not act, be actual. Nothing that has been given me has altered my life significantly. I've been given some pretty good sums of cash at times. But you know, matter, no matter how big the sum of money that is given to you, it doesn't last 
forever. It eventually runs out. The truth of the matter is that we give gifts expecting their life expectancy to be very short. You want to know what the, the most spoken phrase at Christmas gatherings is when you're opening presents? The receipt is in the box or something like that. What, is, what are we saying when we say thing is, I don't even think this is going to last through Christmas. As soon as the, show, the mall is open on Monday, you're going to return this. That's the length of the time that this gift is going to be good for you. We don't expect most of our gifts to last past the next Monday. But the gift of Christmas, Zacharias is expressing great expectations from this gift. We'll title this this evening, The Gift That Keeps Giving. The Gift That Keeps Giving. Let's pray, and then we'll get rolling here. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for all that has taken place so far, for the days leading up to this. We thank you for the event we're celebrating. Now we thank you for the opportunity to open your word one more time and learn. So, Lord, you need to help us, to energize us, to quicken us, that we might walk the path you'd have us to walk this evening, learning what you want us to learn. We ask this in the precious name of our Savior. Amen. I have no doubt that the words that Zechariah speaks in this passage have some future prophetic meaning for the Israeli people. They obviously have not been fulfilled in the na their national history since Zechariah spoke them. But I'm a Dutchman and not a Jew. So it, the promises, that, would, that have, they have very little meaning to me. I know all over town people are getting wonderful gifts. What does that mean to me? What I want to know is what is my package, right? That's what has meaning to me. And so I don't know what all this would mean prophetically for the Jews, but I do know that it has meaning for us. Because in verse number 73, the oath that is being talked about here, that is given to Abraham, is when it says that when Abraham was told, in, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Okay, well, that's us. So let's look quickly at the effect that this Christmas gift will have for us. That's what's important to us. Not what future meaning it may have to the Jews, but what it means to us. Number one. Look at verse number 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all, sorry, that's the wrong verse, 70, 74, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. Number one, we will be delivered out of the hands of our enemies. This is the expectation that Zechariah had for us, for you, for me, for himself from this Christmas gift, that he would be delivered out of the hands of our enemies. Now, if we have very small minds, we might immediately begin to put names and faces to the word enemies. Might be political enemies. It might be people who at work seek to do us wrong. It might be family members who are constantly causing grief or neighbors who don't like us very much. And they fit in our mind into the enemy category. But let's be realistic. A great many of you have seen as many Christmases as I have. 
And so when I tell you this, you will agree. When you get rid of one enemy like that, it won't be very long before another one comes into your life. Isn't this accurate? Well, if you're not, if you're not sure about this, let's just walk through this a little bit. The first president that I can actually remember is Jimmy Carter. And from the reactions of your face, you remember Jimmy Carter as well. Our country was in a desperate situation. I think the inflation was double digits at that time. There were gas shortages. And, oh, man, we were in bad straits. And then came Ronald Reagan. And we all breathed, I was only a little kid, but we all breathed the sigh of relief. <laughs> but anybody want to rehearse how many times we've been through that same scenario since that time? Aren't the names of presidencies since that time? And we're like, oh, we need to be rescued again. It doesn't take very long until we are in the exact same spot before. We, and how many times has our deliverance in, from our political enemies, the, the one who's supposed to be the deliverance, actually been just as bad as the person that we thought we were being delivered from? You know that guy that's a problem at work, he eventually gets fired or quits. And there in your office building is peace for a little time. But rest assured, there will be another jerk occupying that office before very long. You know that's true. That, uh, that rotten neighbor moves away, but it's only a matter of time. Do the words of Zacharias have no meaning? Is he just spouting off when he says that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies... Is this just words on paper? No, that's not true. The fact of the matter is we just aren't looking, thinking in the real big picture. Your real enemy in this world is not some politician, some co-worker, some family member, or some neighbor down the street. Your real enemy is the powers of darkness, the devil and his followers. You know, I don't know if you ever think about these things, but I marvel at the wickedness of the devil. How many times have you not seen some older person who has obviously lived a terrible life? They have been ground up in their life by sin. And now they're, they've only got a few years left in life and there's nothing left. You know what I'm talking about. Their life is just a devastation of sin. There's no way that they could do the cause of Christ any good or the, or the devil any harm. There's, no, there's just no, nothing left. And they're facing an eternity in hell. Their life is already a disaster. We all, you, you, you see the picture. Now, wouldn't you think that you'd have a little bit of pity and say, okay, I've already destroyed you. I'm going to let you have a couple of peaceful years before you die and go to hell. Does the devil ever do that? Right. Here, these people have been ground up to nothing, and the devil is still kicking the daylights out of them and making their life a misery clear up to the end. There is no pity in him. Now, when you think about that is your enemy, how would you, and he was, had you in bondage 
Think about life, what it would be like with that intact. And Zacharias says that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemy. Do you realize if you're like me, you almost never even think about the devil. The one who would have chewed you up and spit you out and then kicked you after that, you hardly even think about. Why? Because many years ago, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were delivered out of his hand. And he does not manipulate you and control you and chew you up like he would. He has, you have been delivered out of his hand. This is one of the effects that Zacharias is looking for in this gift of Christmas. The second gift or effect of this gift that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. The effect is that we would serve God without fear. Well, that is quite a promise. Did you know that fear basically runs the world? The world operates on fear. Now, how could we serve God without fear? How could this effect happen from this gift? Well, I thought of three different things that the fear has been controlled on. One, or A, we don't fear our destiny. We don't fear our destiny. If you know Christ as your Savior, you do not, you're not fearful about where you're going to end up. Think about how fearful a thing of it would be if you had to earn your salvation. How fearful would that be? So every day you're trying to add this thing up. How many times did I sin today? And what is the real punishment for that? And, okay, how much good do I have to do in order to balance that back out? Do you realize in Martin Luther's day, if you ever get a chance to read, the kids hate this, okay? But there's a black and white movie that was made about Martin Luther. And if you want to borrow it, I'll let you borrow it. The kids won't mind that at all. <laughs> it, is, it is so interesting to watch. But they were actually almost trying to figure this all out mathematically. And if you did this certain thing, then it got you so many days out of purgatory. And if you did this and you did that, then you got so many more days out of purgatory. And they have this whole long list that if you did all these things. Can you imagine trying to keep track of all that math? You'd say, oh, okay, now what all did I do, and how many negatives is that, and how many positive? Can you imagine what, and who do you trust? Who do you trust? Is the guy that made up the numbers, is that guy, was he honest, or did he, was he a mathematical failure himself? Do you see how nerve-wracking this would be? And we have been delivered and served without fear because our punishment has already been paid. We don't worry about having done enough because we, and we serve without fear because we do not worry about our destiny. That's the gift of Christmas. And we don't worry about our eternal destiny. B, we don't fear our service either. We don't fear our service. I don't know if you've ever had one of these, but when I was in college, I had a boss at that lumber yard that I was afraid of. He would ask you to do something. I always hated when he asked me to do something. 
because you were never quite sure if it would be good enough, he would be satisfied with it, if he'd get upset with you, if you did it wrong, would he just fire you on the spot? You just weren't never quite sure. But we serve God without fear. There's no fear in our service because Christ is such a gentle boss. He provides all that's needed. His service is not hard. And he is gentle in his treatment of us. And his service is glad service. So we serve without fear. Also, that we do not live our lives in fear because we do not fear the devil. And if you think about the devil, do you know how tricky he is? Do you know how powerful he is? Both of these are very scary things. When he is your sworn enemy, the fact that he's tricky and he's a lot smarter than you, and he's powerful, a lot more powerful than you, you think, man, I am not going to make it here. But we do not have to fear that enemy. We can serve without fear. Why? Well, I'm not telling you anything you don't know because you can quote this verse. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be attempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. We have been delivered from him and are also protected from him. We can serve without fear. We have two effects so far. That we'd be delivered out of the hand of our enemies and that we would serve him without fear. The third effect is, verse number 75, in holiness and righteousness before him. We can serve in holiness and righteousness before him. It is true that in God's sight we are perfectly holy and righteous in our position. We are declared that. And some take this to be the entire meaning of those words. But I think that's a rotten way to live. To have our actions and our life be rotten all the time in our life, and we expect God just to overlook that. But I submit that it's a much better thing to us than that. Because this gift of Christmas, we can actually live in holiness and righteousness. We have been given the nature of Jesus Christ. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And those two together form conform us to the righteousness of the Lord Jesus, to his image. And we can live, our deeds, our actions can actually be holy and righteous. This is an amazing effect of this gift. We can live in holiness and righteousness before him. And verse number, seven, verse number 75 at the end, all the days of our life, the last effect, it, it doesn't run out in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. The toys that I got for Christmas when I was a kid, they're all broken. The toolbox that my grandfather gave me is rusted out on the bottom. The sweater that I got several years ago doesn't fit. The cash that I got was all spent a few days after I got it. But the gift of Christmas doesn't run out. It lasts for our entire life. What an effect of a, of a Christmas gift. It delivers us from our enemies 
It makes us serve, it allows us to serve without fear. We can live in true holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. It doesn't end. This is a gift that keeps on giving. Let's pray.